Spiritual warfare is an important topic. It's an important topic. It's something that is rarely talked about because people don't want to be weird and people don't really know how to talk about it, but it's important. And we have to understand that the enemy wants to engage us. Spiritual warfare, if it's your first time coming to church, it's basically the tools that God gives us to fight our spiritual battles because God has also given great minds to his people in this season. There's great levels of creativity, and if we're not careful, we will use our mind to find a practical solution to a spiritual problem. And we'll start analyzing things and, and start using our processing. See, sometimes your processing takes you out of the presence. You're spending too much time thinking about how it's going to work. You're, that's God's job. And God wants to release so much favor over your life that you understand how to fight. It's going to take a fight. So I, I believe that God's going to speak to us today, you and I both. And uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Um, and if you don't know where Genesis is, that's spiritual warfare. Because <laughs> it's right in the front. You still can't find it. The enemy trying to attack you. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 23. And then we're going to jump over to Matthew 22 right quick. Some of my brother used to right quick. We're going to jump over to Matthew 22, read both these passages of scripture and see what the Lord wants to say. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 starts off with this. The Lord God placed the man, Adam, in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. This is not really my message, but I want to encourage somebody. The garden of Eden was the best place on earth, right? There was no place on earth better than the Garden of Eden. Now, God created the best place and then gave Adam the best job. How many of us would love in this next season to be in the best place and have the best job? <laughs> See, so many times when people die, we say phrases like, they're in a better place. That is not reserved for death. When you are in the presence of God, the Bible says on earth as it is in heaven. So when you follow Jesus everywhere you go, I'm in a better place. Do you see? I'm already preaching at 11 a.m. I told you you need to help me preach. Somebody say I'm in a better place. You don't need to go to heaven to be in a better place. You need to bring heaven to earth and you'll be in a better place by the end of this sermon. Did somebody hear what I'm saying? But watch this. God put Adam in the best place and gave Adam the best job, and Adam wasn't involved. It was God's job to put Adam in the right place. So don't let the enemy, I'm already talking about spiritual warfare, don't let the enemy make you feel out of place. Because God is preparing a place, and then he's going to put you in the place that he is prepared. But he's preparing you and the place. How long did God spend on the earth? Six days. He spent more time on the place than he spent on Adam. He just spent a few moments with Adam in six days on the place. The Bible says that God put Adam in the place and gave him the best job. You got to be careful that you don't pursue a place. You don't pursue blessing. The greatest things God gives to you, he just brings them to you. He just puts you in the place. Come on, somebody, you didn't even work for this next blessing. You just showed up. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that if we follow Jesus, the good shepherd, 
goodness and mercy will follow us. You keep following Jesus, don't worry about your future, and you'll be following Jesus in up promotion, just catch up to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's how this works. God put Adam in the place, and he tells him this, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden except, except freedom, write this down, because this is the issue with somebody's spiritual warfare, freedom, true freedom has restrictions. Freedom is not doing whatever you want. Freedom is doing whatever God wants. And God wants a plan, a purpose, blessing for your life, but real freedom has restrictions. Man, don't let any, don't do you. What do they say, do you, boo-boo? No, don't do you, boo-boo, because every time you do you, God has to get you out of the boo-boo you got in from doing you. You don't want to do you. You don't want to do you. Let me tell you something. God will let you do you. And the worst thing that could ever happen to me is God letting me do me. I'm preaching a message on spiritual warfare, but some of y'all ain't in spiritual warfare. Some of y'all is in spiritual youfare. It's you doing you. Come on, look to the heavens and say, Lord, please don't let me do me. That should, that should be your biggest prayer in this season. If you got to get on your knees and just pray, Lord, please, I beg of you, use big words, I beseech your throne. I don't want to no do you boo-boo over here, please, Jesus. Lord, please, please, don't do you. Because if you don't do you, then God will put you in the place, and you'll understand that freedom has restrictions. He says, don't eat that, or else you'll die. Now, the word death means separation. Doesn't mean to just pass away. Death means separation. Even in our English language, when, when the body, when you die, your spirit, your soul is separated from the body and loses life. And then the Lord God said this, watch, gave Adam the best place and the best job. And then the next thing out of his mouth was, it's not good for Adam to be alone. People always say, well, I get Jesus, but why the church? Because it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. Right? Some of you have all the blessing that your isolation can handle. Did you hear what I... Some of you have all the blessing your isolation can handle. God's saying, I want to give you more, but you're alone. And if I give you more, you won't be able to handle it. You have all your isolation can handle. And I'm not talking about you're alone. I'm talking about you're disconnected from the body. 55% of our church hasn't gone to growth track, doesn't do, and they're still praying and believing for blessing. God's saying, I will, but you have all isolation can handle. Will you get connected to the body? Will you get connected? Next time we announce growth track, just let us even get the G out. And you're like, I'm there because I'm believing in this next season that God is going to bring some stuff to me that's going to require some people of faith speaking over my life. Speaking over my life, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. He's talking about humanity there. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. God is bringing you certain things to see what you call them. He wants to know what you call it. Will you call it failure or will you call it favor? 
I'm going to bring you certain things. What do you call? What do you call that situation God has put you in? He says he gave, Adam gave names to all the livestock. I read a commentary on this once, and it said whatever Adam called it, that's what it became. Think about how powerful that is. It says all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals, but there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. I want you to catch this. The greatest gift God gave to Adam was when Adam was asleep. Be careful, hashtag team no sleep. If you up all night working hard, bragging about it, God's saying, I'm going to give you something when you sit down. Be still and know that I'm the Lord. Some of you don't have a blessing because you, and I'm talking about you in your prayer closet for three hours praying through. Sit down. Get some sleep. God is saying, you already prayed that prayer. I don't need you to repeat yourself. Why are you in your prayer closet for four hours praying about the same thing? You sound like a broken record. I just want you to sit down. I'm bringing some stuff to you. Somebody's prayer life is due to a lack of faith. That's why you keep praying about it. God's saying from heaven, I heard you. And I knew what you would pray before you prayed it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to have somebody, you're going to get a good night's sleep. I'm glad you wake up and you pray for four or five hours about the same thing. But God's saying, I am God. The Bible says this, who never sleeps or slumber. So you can sleep because I don't. And some of the greatest things you will ever do, you won't even do. Because you'll let God do it. Adam was asleep. And then watch this, it says, God put Adam to sleep, brought something out of Adam that was the greatest blessing to Adam. And look at this. It says that he took out one of the man's ribs and closed the opening. What preceded the greatest blessing God gave to Adam was surgery. God opened him up. Some of y'all are on the surgeon's table. You know the Bible calls Jesus the great physician? And, and, and the pain of surgery, God has put you under because he's performing surgery because the next blessing is not coming to you, it's coming out of you. And sometimes spiritual warfare, we think it's coming to us when it's got to come out of us. And God is stitching you up right now. You've been in this season when he's performed open-heart surgery. He's softened your heart for his people, for his church, and you're in a season where he's stitching you up right now. Now what happens if you move around too much and you don't be still? You'll pop the stitches, and then he'll have to, some of you, God is continuing to, to stitch you up again and again because he won't let you, you won't let him heal you. You keep moving. <laughs> Says that God stitched him up. Then he says, the Lord God brought Eve to the man, and Adam said, at last. Woo! At last. He said, woo, she is fine. I love that he said, at last, and he wasn't even looking. You know how profound that is? He wasn't searching, but he was so aligned with the love of God he was so aligned with the Spirit of God. He was so aligned with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. His spirit knew he had found something that God was looking for. See, if you don't know who you are, you'll say at last to the wrong brother or sister. 
See, some of y'all are saying that last to the wrong person. And your spiritual warfare is due because you in the club talking about at last. No, 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 no. And watch what Adam says. At last, this one, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. Jump over to Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. They're asking Jesus a question, and they say, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So you know how we tell you to get in your word? It's saying the purpose of you getting in your word is to understand the love of God. The love that God gives you, the love that you return. And it's so powerful, it helps you love other people. We don't talk about love enough when it comes to spiritual warfare. We don't. Because the love of God will really help you walk out this, this warfare that I know you're going through. And I believe that nearly all spiritual warfare, at least in my life and everybody I've got the privilege to pastor or talk to or spend time with, whether one-on-one -on -one or after church, whatever it is, nearly all spiritual warfare is an attack on these four areas. One, how we see God. The enemy is trying to change your perception on how you see God. Two, how we see ourselves. And he does that first because if we don't see ourselves the right way, you will all of a sudden not like somebody you used to like. And it changes your perspective on how you see others. And then the fourth area is how we see our circumstances, how we see others, how we see situations are based off how we see God and how we see ourselves. If we see God as holy and mighty and powerful, we will see ourselves walking in holiness and power. For example, one time when a person came in here, they were literally like demonically oppressed, possessed. I'm not an expert. Whatever they were, they was not, they wasn't doing good. And they <laughs> walked up to the front, right? Because you got to remember the enemy's not omnipresent. I'm, I'm, watch this. They walked up to the front, and they walked in like this, like a movie. Face all twisted up. He was walking like this. Jamaica was my assistant at the time. She's my witness. We were standing in the balcony, and I saw him like this, and he was twitching. I ran from the balcony down here. And he was up here doing stuff crazy in worship. And I put my arm on him. I said, hey, man, we got to go somewhere. He's like, get your hands off me in a super deep voice. I said, hey, man, don't talk to me like that. I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to the demon. Don't talk to me like that. You have no authority over me. You're about to do what I tell you to do. Get your stuff. We're walking out. He's like, okay, 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 okay. I'm not playing. We get him out in the front, and he's, I put my arm around him. The Lord said, put your arm around him. So I put my arm around him. He turned to me and said, do you know I have bugs and lice all in this jacket? Now, if any of y'all know me, <laughs> you know I'm a germaphobe. I ain't touched the bathroom doorknob in 20 years. I am a germaphobe. And people have heard me talk about this all my life. And guess who else has heard it? The devil. He can't read my thoughts. He can read what I say. Be careful what you say. Because some seasons of warfare, the enemy is taking something you said five years ago. So the enemy knew. Because I almost went, oh. So the enemy, through my fear of germs, tried to make me take my arm around this brother when that guy needed love. 
So I, so I said, I kept my arm. Now, low key, I was itching. I'm not even playing. I don't know if, I don't know if it was in my head, but I'm like, had my arm around him with this arm, scratching my neck. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I felt stuff on me. I'm not even lying. I felt something on me. But I'm like, I'm not going to take my arm around this old nasty dude. But so we walked outside. And I said, did you know that Jesus can set you free? He said, no. I said, I'm going to tell you, Jesus can set you free. Do you want to be free of whatever this is? And he started twitching and shaking. And he was like, yeah. And I started to pray for him. I said, just, I want you to repeat after me. And I just gave it time. I kept my arm around him. And we did a salvation prayer. And right out there in that lobby, he gave his life to the Lord. I'm not kidding. I'm so glad I have a witness. As soon as we said amen, he went, oh, shoot. I feel so much better. Wow. See, the enemy, the warfare was because of the bugs was about me treating him and seeing him differently because God knew he needed love before he needed prayer. And that the love mixed with the prayer... You see why we don't involve, we need to involve love with spiritual warfare. And the minute he said amen, and the minute he stood up, you would think that I rejoiced, but I asked him a question, are there really bugs on your jacket? <laughs> I wish I was a better pastor. Y'all got to pray for me. But that was the first question I wanted to know, is there really lice in your jacket? Because my neck is itching. And true story, we threw his jacket away and I gave him my jacket. Right? We don't think about love when it comes to spiritual warfare. We start rebuking and yelling and spitting. Give somebody some love. Show some love. Be generous. Most people are under attack because they've never been loved. And we got to understand that love is one of the biggest issues with spiritual warfare. Too many times it's like rebuke, this and that, denounce and deny. And all that stuff is powerful. But what about love? Romans 8, 38 39, I'm a, I believe the Lord wants to shift your perspective on this verse because this is a spiritual warfare verse. This is the writer Paul saying, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Anybody ever heard that? But you didn't know it was a spiritual warfare verse, did you? Watch. Because neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Here we are, and I want to submit to you that this lets us know the main purpose of spiritual warfare is to make us feel separated from God's love. This is why God wants to give you a revelation of who he is and who you are so that you can do what he's called you to do. What did God tell Peter? God told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Who was God talking to when he said on this rock? He was talking to Peter. He says, your name is Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, on Peter, I will build my church. Why is this important? He's saying, I'm giving you, Peter, the purpose, but I also need to turn you into a different person. I need to change your name. I, you need to be a rock, because on this rock, I will build this church. Why is this important? What was Peter's old name? Simon. What does Simon mean? Pebble. So Jesus is saying, I can't give you a rock purpose when you have pebble worship. I, I can't give you a rock 
purpose when you have pebble prayer. I can't give you a rock purpose when you have pebble thinking. So before I can give you this big purpose, I need to change you because I'm building this on you. And if you don't let me work on you, you won't be heavy and strong enough to carry that. So you keep praying for me to give you that, and I want to change you from a pebble to the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it, is what the scripture says. So what does the gates of hell not, this is per, spiritual warfare. On what you let God build, if you let God build you, and you let God build that, then the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then what is your job? That's a great question. What, is it, what does it mean to what? That's a great question. Here's what it means. You ever felt like all of hell is coming against you? It means it won't win. It means that you can have confidence. It means that you can know. It means that no matter what you've been through, you're gonna be all right. Let me give it to you. I wish I could say it in a Greek. I could say it in a Greek, but let me tell you, give it to you the way my grandma used to say in San Bernardino. Girl, you're going to be all right. That's what it means. That's what it means. That's the only way I know how to say it. The enemy's coming against you and making you think that you're not going to win, but he, the enemy's been defeated. 2,000 years ago, Jesus snatched the keys from the enemy. So the enemy doesn't have the keys to your blessing, your family, your life, your marriage, your situation. You will win. You have the victory. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. And God is building you, turning in you. See, they thought you were something else. They called you something else, called you out of your name, but Jesus is turning you into a rock. And then he's building something on top of that rock. And the gates of hell, the enemy, will not prevail against you. He was talking to the church. I'm talking to you. Somebody give God a shout of praise. That's what it means. That's what it means. And we got to be careful because so many times we try to build ourselves. What does the enemy try to do? He tries to get you into self-help, energy, throwing crystals all over the place because you won't be strong enough. No, no, no. You don't need a, bad, you don't need a better vibe. You need a better perspective on who God is. You don't need the moon to shine just right on the crystal in your front yard. You need the spirit of God to wake you up and resurrect something on the inside of you. You can't build yourself and you can't build your purpose. Jesus' responsibility was to do both. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus had a job on the earth. You know what it was? It was a carpenter. It was a builder. God was so intent on building your life. God was so intent on building your purpose. He gave Jesus a job in the natural that mirrored what God does in the spiritual. And watch this. We think a carpenter is somebody who works with wood, which in our context it is. But in biblical context, a carpenter, Jesus was more of a stonemason. He worked with rock. He put pebbles to he put pebbles together, and he put rock together. He knew how to use his hands. Jesus' hands would have been coarse because he would have been building rocks and making things out of rocks. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus wants to work on you and that. So what is your responsibility? To love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're too busy working on your purpose or working on that thing that God has you, yes, it requires some work. I get it. But don't leave out loving God. Don't leave out loving people. 
because you'll leave yourself open to spiritual warfare. What happened in Genesis chapter 2? Adam and Eve were supposed to love God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. And God brought the animals to Adam, and Adam was walking in perfect relationship with God. The Bible says God brought all the animals to him. And what's interesting, he says he just wanted to see what Adam would call them. And Adam was walking in such amazing, he was literally saturated from the inner depths of his soul to the outer depths of, his, of who he was in his humanity. He was saturated with the love of God. So when God brought him the animals, he, he just gave the animals identity. He just spoke over them. Well, you're not saturated with the love of God. God could bring, like if God was asking you to name an animal right now and you're not saturated and he brought you a giraffe, you'd be like, man, a neck is too long. It's just, can we just like, just shrink the neck a little bit? Neck is too long. Because when you're not saturated, when your life is not founded in the love of God, you critique what God created. Sometimes the enemy of truth is not a lie. It's your opinion. What you think. Are you critiquing creation? That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make you critique yourself. Critique other people. Instead of loving them as you love yourself. And don't you, hopefully you love yourself, but the enemy comes and attacks your perspective of God. Because therefore, if you don't know that God loves you, you will never love yourself. And if you don't love yourself fully, you will never be able to love people the way God intended you to love. You never will. Look what happened. Adam, perfect love of God in his heart. Eve comes out of Adam. What does Adam say? At last. At last. But the next verse is even more powerful because they didn't go on a date. They didn't catch up. There was no vibe. He said, this one. This is the one. It is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. He, he recognized that Eve had come from him. So therefore, he immediately loved Eve because he loved himself. And he recognized that she comes from me. And since I love myself, I don't need to fall in love. I can walk in love because I love myself. And somebody needs to fall in love because they don't walk in love and don't love themselves. See, the enemy wants you to say, at last, I finally have somebody who makes me feel wanted. At last, I finally have someone who, whatever. But no, Adam said, at last, I could tell. I love her because she's a product of me, and she felt familiar to Adam. And he was pleased with her simply because he was pleased with himself. You will never find a person that I can make happy that is not fully happy with themselves. You have made so many people mad. So many people are mad at you. So many people are mad at me. Why? Because they're mad at themselves. They're not going to like you. They don't like them. This is how I know. He saw Eve for the first time and said, at last. And what did the devil do? Showed up in the place. You got to be careful. Just because you're in the place that God has for you doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't have access to that place. Because the enemy showed up in the place and he changed 
Eve's view of who God was. That was the first spiritual warfare. God just knows you'll be like him. Eat the fruit. He doesn't want you to be happy. Right? He doesn't want you to fulfill all your hopes and dreams. God, change your perspective on God. They ate the fruit. They sinned. And immediately they walked in shame. So in just a couple of moments, their perspective was changed on God and their perspective was changed about themselves. When they were walking in perfect love, Adam said, at last, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. By the time the enemy showed up and changed their perspective of God, they were hiding from God, changed their perspective of themselves. They were no longer, they no longer loved themselves. They were ashamed. God shows up and says this to him. He says, Adam says, we're ashamed because we were naked. And God said, who told you that about yourself? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it, it, it was the woman you gave me. What happened? His perspective of himself has changed. And all of a sudden, now Eve is not flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, he's blaming her now. Because he doesn't love himself anymore, he can no longer tell Eve at last. He can no longer look at her and say, babe, I got this, I'll answer to God. He goes to God and says, she isn't what I thought she was. That's what happens. So then God has to bring you back into self-love and change your perspective again of who God is so you can get back to loving people. And the main point of spiritual warfare is to make you separated from the love of God. And this is why it's crazy, separated from the purposes of God. Because the Bible says God will never leave you or forsake you. God never left Adam and Eve, but he did close the garden. And we have to walk in warfare and we have to walk in love. So not just that God will never leave us. Trust me, if you're here for the first time, no matter what, God, you do, God will never leave you. This is not about God being with you. This is about us being with God where we're supposed to be. And we can never get there if we don't understand that God loves us. And we don't understand that because he loves us, we can love ourselves. Therefore, we can love our neighbor. Do you know what you would be able to do if you would just get a revelation of how much God loves you? Do you know what you would do? And the enemy brings warfare in your life to make you think that you are not loved. The enemy will come after your finances. He'll come after family members. He'll have you sitting in a funeral you never thought you would ever sit in. And he wants to make you think that God doesn't love you because of what you've been through. Jamaica, can, you, can I borrow you for a second? Jamaica, do you want this $20? She wants this $20. Gas is high, huh? You want to give me 20 on pump eight? Yeah. You sure you want this $20? Yeah. Can you think of some things in your life that you could spend this $20 on? Why do you want the $20? Why not? How much is this $20 worth? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a trick question. I'm going to give you the $20, okay? You can have it. But hold on a second. Still want it? Yeah. 
You are not worth $20. You'll never amount to nothing. I hate you. You still want it? Why? Because no matter what it's been through or what I spoke over it, its value has not changed. I've been sent by God to tell somebody, no matter what you've been through, no matter what somebody said over your life, you have the same value. I wish there were 20 people who could receive this revelation that no matter what you've walked through, you've been through the fire. Somebody told you you couldn't do it. Somebody told you you weren't enough. Somebody told you they hated you. Somebody abandoned you. Somebody rejected you. But no matter what you've been through, your value has not changed because God decided before the foundations of the earth were laid that the lamb would be slain for you and me that you would have resurrection power on the inside of you. God decided that you were valuable, that you were valuable, and the enemy wants to bring you warfare to make you think that you have lost your value. But she still wanted the 20, and I'm here to tell somebody, God still wants you. Somebody give me a shot. We thank you. We thank you.